This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. In the studios today at Nebraska Christian Schools, I've got Dan Brenton. He is the senior pastor of the Grand Island Evangelical Free Church. Welcome to the program today, Dan. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Well, Dan, you've been in Nebraska for about a year now. Could you give us a little bit about your background and how you wound up at the Free Church in Grand Island? Well, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, and didn't come to know the Lord until I was a sophomore in high school through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Upon graduating from college, I'm a Jayhawk through and through, graduated from KU, went on staff with Campus Crusade. And so for 17 years, served the Lord with crew, and during that time, finished a seminary education at Dallas Theological Seminary. And finally, the Lord kept nudging us. One of the things Julie and I have done is we've spoken with family life over the past Mm -hmm. 18 years. And God just continued to hound us, and finally we surrendered and went into pastoral ministries around year 2000. So just ended up coming back here. We'd been in the Southeast for about 30 years of ministry and now came back here about four hours away from where my mom still lives, where Julie's mom lives. And it's just been a great fit for us in Grand Island. We've loved it. What are some of the things you're excited about with your ministry in Grand Island? Some of the things coming up? Well, the church is such a rich church. It's such a, just a rich, deep church of honoring the Lord and honoring the word for some 75 years. They've been very influential. Most people know it from the singing Christmas tree. But what's so encouraging right now is I think a transition has been maneuvered. The beauty about the church in Grand Island is it's a multi-generational church, mm. which I think that's what heaven's like. Mm. And I, so I, I love the fact that there's young and old and that we're moving forward together. We just hired a brand new worship pastor, and it looks like the church is reinventing itself and honoring the past and moving forward. So it's a, it's an exciting day around the on the innards of GI Free. Dan, this morning you talked with our students about trying to maintain a balanced life and also about, you know, when bad things happen to them. And why is that message so so important for high school students to hear? I think there's so much counterfeit truth out there where folks are they think that you place your faith in Christ and then everything's just going to be hunky-dory the rest of your life and no problems. And yet, that's not the Bible that I read. When you look at the stories in the Old Testament, and I, I love Old Testament stories. One of my favorite stories is Joseph. You know, here's a guy who his brothers sold him. I mean, how, what do you do with that? And what do you do with a God that allowed him to be sold? And yet, in his suffering, God is always, always orchestrating a bigger story outside the smaller story. And so if we think that the pain and the suffering we go through are mistakes, well, then God must not be sovereign and stuff must be out of his control. But if we understand that the stuff that we go through is for a greater good, well, you know, that that gives me perspective in the midst of my pain and suffering. I've often said, I wish God would use Krispy Kreme donuts to grow us up. But That hasn't been true in my life. He's grown me out with Krispy Kreme donut. But what he's done is he's used pain to chisel me and to break me. And so we use today the visual aid of, and I just, I love visual aids, especially with youth, because I remember visual aids is you take a glow stick and that glow stick is really inept. 
until it's broken. And then once it's broken, then it serves the purpose it was created for. And I think that's a lot like our lives, is that until we're broken, we're not serving the purpose that God created us to serve. And then once we're broken, then we submit to him, and then he writes a beautiful opus from our life. Yeah, it was a great visual for our kids, and I think it's something that'll stick with them for a long time. Let's join Dan with today's message. Well, it's good to be with you. Just to tell you a little bit about myself, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas is, and I was not a believer growing up. I never went to church, and I was okay with that. I just didn't know what I was missing, and my parents weren't believers. They weren't followers of Christ. My dad was disabled, and so he was always in and out of the hospital. And so Sunday mornings for me were, you know, sleep late, get up, and watch NFL football today. You know, I didn't know what I was missing. I didn't have any concept of God. I thought my perception of God was probably a perception of religion. And I thought that the leaders of Christianity... If you were a leader of Christianity, you couldn't have sex. And so I thought, man, count me out. That's dumb. You know, I grew up in that kind of a religious type of a background. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I went to a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting because that was the kind of thing that the guys on the football team did. They would go to the FCA meeting on Thursday night, play the game on Friday night. And so I went to the FCA meeting on Thursday night and there was a guy who was a pastor from Kansas City who was speaking and for the first time in my life I heard this I'd never heard this before that God loved the world and he was intimately involved in his creation and and to show the world how much he loved him he sent his son and his son became the perfect sacrifice for our sins he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins And it's not just enough to know that. You have to place your faith in Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins. And I thought at that time it made so much sense to me. I thought, man, they ought to get the word out on this. They ought to tell people about this. And so at that time, in a living room in Lawrence, Kansas, with about 13 other guys, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And since that time, there's been no turning back. I have fallen in love with Jesus. Interesting, though, when be careful what you pray. I remember praying. I said, okay, God, I'm good with you. I I love you, Jesus, but don't ever make me a pastor. I'm a pastor. So be careful what you pray. Now, what I'd like to do is I would like to look at life a little bit different this morning and look at some some statements that you've kind of taken at face value that I think are a bunch of hooey. Okay, we've kind of adopted these things, and I'm not sure they're exactly right. For instance, you remember the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? That's right. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You know what? I think that's a bunch of hooey. Because I think our bones repair pretty quickly. I think we can get over physical injuries. I think it's our emotions when somebody torments us emotionally. That really hurts. I did a message a few weeks ago on what's in a name. And I think when you get called a name, you start actualizing that name. 
I think you kind of take on the characteristics of that name. And unfortunately, in our culture, what happens is many times we're given nicknames that are derogatory. And guys are the worst at this, that they just jab each other and they give each other nicknames. And we laugh on the outside, but on the inside, we're like, ooh, what does that mean? You know, hey, Shamu, <laughs> does he think I'm fat? <laughs> In the Bible, what you see is you have nicknames that had a great deal to do with a person's character. In fact, people were given names and there was a responsibility that went along with that name. I've got a picture that hangs in my office. I want to show it to you. You won't be able to make out all the details of it. But when I, I, I've been in Nebraska about a year. And I, I don't know if you can see this or not. I, I came from Alabama. Now, I grew up in Kansas, but I've worked the past 10 years in Alabama. And the town I was in was Tuscaloosa, where the University of Alabama is. And so I worked with several of the athletic teams at the university. And one of the teams I worked with was the women's gymnastics team. I don't know anything about gymnastics, but I know people. And so once a week I would go in and I would work for six years with the women's gymnastics team. Some of these women were former Olympians. There's a girl back over here and her name is Kayla Williams. Kayla's right back here. Kayla was a national champion in the vault. She was also a world champion in the vault. Now, not many of us can say we're world champion at anything. And yet, Kayla, by the time she's 18, is washed up in terms of international competition. Because what happens in gymnastics for women, most of the time they peak between 15, 16, and 17. And then by the time they get to 18, they've grown into womanhood and no longer can they do the things that they were once able to do. And I saw Kayla come in as a freshman into the University of Alabama and I, I noticed some things about her. Here's this girl, wildly gifted, unbelievably talented, and yet feeling as though at 18 years of age, she's washed up. You know what that does to your psyche? Here she was, she sat at top of the world at 16, and now at 18, she's washed up. And so I wanted to give her a nickname that made her realize, you know what, you're just starting. That there's more to life than just gymnastics. That there's more to life than your achievements. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And so I gave her the nickname Journey. And every time I'd see her, I'd say, hey, there's Journey. Because the meaning behind that was, hey, you know what? Your story is just starting. That the best days ahead of you are ahead of you, not behind you. That your life's not over at 18, but it's just beginning at 18. And who you are will far outweigh what you've accomplished. There was another girl in here who was a former national star She's right back here. I named her Ludmila because in 1970s there was this Russian gymnast named Ludmila Turosheva. And Ludmila was an incredible competitor. And this young woman basically for two years in a row, this team won the national championship. And for two years in a row, this woman put the team on her shoulders 
And she was tough as nails. And when she'd get in competition, she had this look on her face of such determination. So every time I looked at her, I'd call her Ludmila. And I'd give it this nice Russian accent. Hey, there she is, Ludmila. Say it with me, Ludmila. Yeah. Some of you going, what do we got ourselves into here? <laughs> There's another girl in here. She, she was the spiritual rock of the team. By the way, 16 of these girls became Christians and placed their faith in Christ and followed the Lord. And after every one of their meets, they would end up destroying their opponent, and then they'd gather around in the middle and have a prayer with them. <laughs> there was this one girl, I named her Rock, because she was a rock physically, she was a rock spiritually, she was a rock academically, and she's a senior right now leading the team. They're, some have said they'll probably win the national championship again. There was another girl in here, she was four foot eleven. And I named her Tower. It's kind of ironic, you name a four foot eleven girl Tower, because when she competed, she was about eight feet tall. She competed with dignity. Now the question on your plate is not some derogatory nickname that you've received, but what is the fingerprints that God's placed on you? And the character qualities that He's given you that you want to be known for. I have an assignment for you over the next week, and you teachers can hold them accountable. What name has God placed on you? You know, I had a name that God placed on me years ago, and it was just coach. Because whatever I've done in life, I just love to coach people up to the next level. I love to gather around gifted people and help them win. Whatever it is in life, whether it's national championships in gymnastics or academically or in their profession, just to coach them up to win. I love to see people win. So people around the office, they call me coach. What's the nickname that God has placed on your life? Okay, teachers, you're going to hold them accountable. There's another thing you've bought into that I think, in Christianity, how many times have you heard, you've got to live a balanced life? I mean, after all, God, Jesus was balanced, you know, he socially, intellectually, spiritually, and physically. You got to live a balanced life. Well, you know what? That's true. But I think there is no way humanly possible you can live a balanced life on your own. Hans, come up here. I need a, I need a helper. He doesn't know that I've asked him to do this. Now, would you agree that Hans, I mean, he's a state champion. I mean, he's a fairly good athlete. We'll see. How are you? Yeah, I was afraid of this. Yeah, come on up here, man. Hans, he's a good German boy, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, Hans, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold your hand out right like this. Now, I'm going to get on this side of you because I, I, I don't want to. This could be messy. This could be. People could get hurt. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to balance this pole in your hand and balancing this pole in your hand represents balancing all that life throws at you. I mean, you want to be balanced athletically, academically, socially, spiritually, right? You want to have a well-rounded life. 
So balancing this pole represents balancing everything that God brings into your life. Follow me? Okay. Okay? But I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> Keep them closed, okay? <laughs> now you're on integrity. Keep your eyes closed. Close your eyes. Okay, now I'm going to place the pole in your hand, and you're going to balance this. <laughs> okay, that's... That's not a very good job, Hans. Give me another try. No. <laughs> you failed. Now, think about this. When you try to balance all that life throws at you, classwork, athletics, social, spiritual, all the stuff, when your eyes are closed, when you're totally looking at yourself when you're totally self-centered life doesn't work you realize that life doesn't work when your eyes are focused inward on yourself you just can't do it it's not possible now this is what i want you to do i want you to focus on that speaker right over there just look at that speaker right there pull your hand out now keep your eyes focused on that speaker and i want you to balance this Keep your palm flat. Are you a cheater? What are you doing? What? Okay, again, rotten job, Hans. Now, let's say that focusing on that speaker represents focusing on the activities in your life. Okay, I'm going to get balance in my life by focusing on, uh, on track. Track's coming up. I'm going to focus on track. And I, I'm going to make it work. It doesn't work because then all the other areas in your life fail. Or I'm going to focus on getting my academics together alone, and then what happens? Other areas suffer. This is what I want you to do. This time, I want you to focus on the top of the stick and see if you can make it balance. Good. Thank you. You can go sit down. When Hans was focusing on himself, when his eyes were inward, balance wasn't possible, was it? You were never created to make life work on your own. You know, people think there's a popular trend of thinking, I've got to go out and I've got to find myself. You ever heard somebody say that? I've got to find myself. I'm going to go to Colorado. Colorado is a great place to find myself. <laughs> You'll never find the answers within. Or then what we do is we focus on the circumstances around us. I'm going to focus on this issue. Maybe it's Maybe it's your extracurricular activity. Maybe it's your academics. Maybe it's just, I'm going to jump into the Bible and immerse myself in the Bible. And, and then what happens is the rest of our life suffers. The only way life was meant to work is when you focus at the top. And by the way, the top is where you'll find Jesus. You focus on your relationship with Jesus, and then what happens is balance is possible. See, the issue isn't balance. The issue is Jesus. And if you don't think Jesus is big enough to answer your problems, you don't understand your problems, and you don't understand Jesus. There's another lie I think we've bought into. That is this, that God won't give me more than I can handle. Anybody ever heard that? You know, God will never give you more than you can handle. You know, I, I disagree with that. Because if, if you can handle everything that's thrown at you, you, you don't need God. 
I think the only way you can handle everything is to allow God to come in and handle some of it, if not all of it. You know, there's an age-old debate. Years ago, there was a guy by the name of Rabbi Kushner. He wrote a book, and the byline of the book is, Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever had the question, what, why does God allow suffering in the world? Anybody ever had that question? We all have. I mean, if God's a good God, why does he allow planes to crash into buildings? Why does he allow loved ones to die of cancer? Why does he allow me to get cut from the team or to get the C grade or, or whatever circumstances you're facing? Why does God allow bad stuff to happen to me? Because I'm told God doesn't ever allow anything to happen to somebody they can't handle. You know what? I think God allows stuff to happen to you that you can't handle. Because he forces you to trust him. And in the midst of that, what happens is you start becoming the person that God created you to be when you start trusting him with the stuff you can't do on your own. See, because there's something you need to understand about God. God loves to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. God loves to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know what? I, I don't think you really become who God created you to be until you're broken. Until God takes you through something where you go, where you shake your fist in his face and go, I, I, I can't do this without you. I, it may even bring you to the point where you're like, I, I hate that you're bringing me through this. And God can take it when we put our fist in his face and go, I don't understand you. He can even take it when we say, I don't even like you right now. He's big enough to overcome that. You ever seen a glow stick? I bought these yesterday. I went to Walmart. This one is, this one's yellow. You ever seen these glow sticks? Hunters use them. You can use them to mark stuff. I mean, isn't that pretty? You know what? This glow stick, either it's not working or it's just it's kind of worthless. Right now, this glow stick in this state can't achieve what it was created to achieve. Just like when you've gone through, before you've been broken, you can't achieve what God created you to achieve. You know what it takes for this glow stick to serve the purpose that it was created to serve? It has to be broken. It has to go through some pain and some difficulty for it to serve the purpose it was created to serve. Just like you, God is willing to allow you to go through pain and suffering so that you serve the purpose that you were created to serve. See, what happens is once you're broken, oh, there we go. Once you're broken, then you begin to serve the purpose you were created to serve. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? <laughs> you know, God isn't a God of our comfort and convenience. God's got a bigger picture in mind. I always tell people, there's always a bigger story outside the smaller story. That's why I love the story of Joseph so much. You know, Joseph was going through life. He was getting the coat of many colors. He was getting favored nation status with dad. Everything was going just great. And then his brother sold him into slavery. 
How's that? <laughs> That's a bad day. And then he goes off, sold as a slave in Egypt, <laughs> and he gets hooked up in this household where he's serving a guy named Potiphar, and Mrs. Potiphar decides that she likes him, but in a very creepy way. And makes advances towards him, and he runs, and he gets accused of rape. How do you like that one on your, on your rap sheet, and you're not guilty, and he gets sentenced to prison? Why does God allow that to happen? He broke Joseph. But you know, to make the long story short, Joseph became the most powerful person in the world in his day and time. Because during a worldwide famine, Joseph was the one who had the keys to the grain elevators and could distribute food worldwide. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Because he's committed to the bigger picture, not your smaller story. We think the smaller story is our comfort and convenience. God's committed to the bigger story outside of that and how he's going to use you long term for the greater good of others. One more statement before we go. The last statement is this. People tell you, do the right thing. Do the right thing. You know what? Yes, you need to do the right thing. But you know what? Eventually, you're going to end up doing the right thing. A better statement would be, do the next best right thing. Because eventually, you're going to end up doing the right thing, but sometimes you're going to go through all sorts of circumstances that level you before you finally go, okay, I give up, I'll do the right thing. A better statement is, do the next best right thing. Say it with me. Do the next best right thing. You know, most of your problems, can I be really honest with you? Anybody got problems? Anybody got problems? Nobody's got problems here. You got problems? Okay. Hey, I got problems. All of us got problems. Thank you. For the three people who are honest and the rest of you who are lying, you're at Nebraska Christian School and you're lying. I'm telling. You guys have bought in to this lie that if I follow Christ, everything's going to be hunky-dory and perfect. And it's not. But most of the problems that you have are self-induced. And most of the problems of people around you, you know what? They're self-induced. And if you lived wisely, and wisdom says, do the next best right thing. Not do the right thing, because eventually you'll end up doing the right thing, but maybe you'll have to be drugged through the mud before you get there. But if you did the next best right thing, it's the wisest statement that you can take to live through life. Every circumstances you come to, what's the next best right thing? Pray with me. Father, I pray for these young minds, these young men and women, that they would think clearly, they would believe rightly, and as a result, they would behave correctly. Lord, I pray that they would give themselves a name, a character quality name that they could live up to the rest of their life. I pray that they really see the only way they're going to get balance in their life is to keep their focus on the top. 
I pray that you would give them more than they can handle. So they have to trust you. That they would realize that they're not used, they'll never be used to their maximum potential until they're broken. And then they submit to you. And I pray that a mantra for the rest of their life would be, do the next best right thing. We'll give you all the credit in what you're going to do in and through them. I pray that they don't let anybody look down on their youthfulness, but they live with a reckless abandon for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Dan Brenton from the Evangelical Free Church in Grand Island. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.